Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Well, good morning, Life in the Sun. How's everybody this morning? Praise God. Hey, that was an amazing uh, presentation by by Elmore because, uh, you know, just before we get into the, the, the sermon, I just wanted to give a little testimony from uh, Cindy and I's standpoint from the, the trip that we made with, with Elmore. Uh, the first thing that I would like to share is that God is so good. And he deeply loves each one of us. And the amazing thing about the, the, the trip was uh, actually watching my wife do some amazing things that I didn't know she could do. I mean, we were preparing, right, to go and uh, take care of some things, right? And, and she's pulling stuff out of her bag like duct tape and pens and, you know, and I'm like, why did you think about bringing duct tape, you know? But it dawned on me when we got to the, uh, uh, to the college, we had to cover up the windows with, with sheets, right? Hey, duct tape. It was right there. <laughs> but it's not just her organizational skills. You know, just watching her heart as she sat with uh, a lot of the students and was just greeting them, meeting with them. And, and it, you know, uh, Elmore kind of trained us a little bit on the God test before, the, uh, before we went. And the neat thing was, you know, he kind of sat through it and, you know, he's like, okay, you know, like five to seven minutes, you know, you can get it done. And I look over there and she's like, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, hanging out with these girls. And then next thing I know, there's like more around her and she's just talking away and stuff. And, you know, the beauty of it was is she was really connecting uh, at a deep level with these girls. And uh, the amazing part is now they're like all over her Facebook and they're, you know, chatting with, it, with her all the time. And, you know, it, it was, it's about connecting. You know, and, and, and the amazing thing for me was, uh, you know, realizing that, you know, when you're called to do something, God is going to be in it. And the, uh, the, the neat thing was, as I was going into the, uh, the week or two beforehand, because, you know, my life is very busy. Got work, got, you know, different things going on each night, each ministry, you know, that we're, we're looking at. I'm in Leadership 215, you know, so it's busy. And, you know, and I just remember Cindy coming to me, you know, this was months ago, and, you know, she just said, I really want to go to Pontefe. And because we're investing in Pontefe, and God laid it on our heart uh, uh, about a year and a half ago to really support what God is doing in Pontefe. And so I was like, man, this is awesome because this is going to be an opportunity for us to go uh, and, and see it firsthand. And it's not just about, you know, financial support. You know, we want to give our full and, and total support, you know. So as we went uh, uh, is kind of when I prepared. <laughs> and I'm stepping into the plane, and, you know, we're, we're on our way, and it's like, okay, I'm praying. And I'm just like, God, you're going to do something amazing this trip. And the, the, the amazing part that, that was uh, uh, granted for me was this just this sense of uh, authority that God gave us as we were going into Pontefe. And I know, you know, uh, some of the struggles there is, you know, with the, you know, the local witchcraft and, and you know, the spiritual climate there is uh, somewhat oppressive uh, uh, or greatly oppressive depending on, on your, your situation. But 
the amazing thing was, is we, when we went in there, it was like, no, none of that matters. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws at us. It didn't matter what, you know, because we had some crazy dreams. We had, you know, just, you know, there was warfare. But the, the beauty of it was is that uh, God made a way. And we were able to, uh, you know, the two things that we were able to do with the God test, and it was just immediate and powerful. Uh, and then the following day, we got to, to, to uh, show that video, The End of the Spear. How many have seen that movie? Yeah, it's, if you haven't seen it, it's, yeah, it's a little dated right now, but the, the message is so impactful. Uh, and it was directly related to, uh, you know, forgiveness and, and making sure that we don't justify retaliation. And when I got up to kind of share with these students, I mean, I was still, you know, it's a tearjerker, okay, already, because you're just crying about what God had done to the people uh, uh, in those tribes. And so that was kind of fresh on me when I got up to speak. And it's like, Lord, I, I got to stop crying so I can speak, right? But it's like he wouldn't let that passion out of my heart. He's like, no, I want you to break for my people. And he broke my heart for the people of Ponape. And so being able to, to share that uh, uh, with those young students and man, and I couldn't see it from where I was standing, but Cindy and Elmer were saying that there was just not a dry eye in the, in the place. And they were all praying and they were all uh, reaching out. So uh, praise God, you know. And, you know, so today uh, we're going to kind of cover three things uh, within one subject. This is the second series of uh, our church community. And we're going to be covering, uh, covering uh the, uh, why we exist as a church. Why do we do what we do? And, and I find it so fitting that, uh, you know, Cindy and I were able to go out and do one of those things, which is go out and reach the lost. Amen? So uh, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get started. Father God, we just come before you, and we thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. We thank you that you have empowered us to overcome. You have given us a body to live in where we can live and grow in safety, Lord God. And that even when we have struggles within the body, Father, it is for our own edification. It is for our own growth, Lord God. Yet you didn't leave us uh, out of the equation. You've called us out of darkness and into your light. And you've called us to rub up against each other, Lord God. And it is for your glory. It's for our growth. And it's for the purpose that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. So church community is uh, the series that Mark has started for us. Uh, I kind of like to be able to uh, uh, just share a little testimony on, uh, make sure I got this right. Okay. So the purpose of why we exist as a body, I remember when uh, I first came to Christ uh, years ago, this was back in 1986, and, uh, and I've shared this with some of you guys, you already know, but as, as a whole, um, I would like to be able to share this with you. I... I was actually uh, saved in a Baptist church in South Florida. And this was, this, the, the church itself was a uh, fundamental, independent, King James only Bible Baptist church that was, they did not believe in the gifts. And so when I uh, first stepped into this church, um, it was a little odd for me. You know, I was about 18 years old, uh, ways of the world. I didn't understand church, had no idea. The only time 
that I'd been in church prior to that was when I was about seven or eight, ten years old with my, with my mom. We'd go to the Methodist church in Wisconsin. So, I mean, that's like night and day, you know. It's like wooden pews and everything was formal. And, you know, all I would do was just crawl around underneath the pews and my mom would have to chase me down and pull me back. And, you know, so, but I do remember the stories in Sunday school. I remember uh, being taught about, you know, we, well, when you're that age, you, you get kind of taught about the common stories within the Bible. Noah's Ark, you know, uh, Jonah and the whale, and, you know, King David, and all these other stories. So I, I, I kind of knew uh, what was going on. So when my friend at, at work kept telling me, hey, come to church, come to church. So I'm like, okay. So I went on a Wednesday night. So I don't know, you know, for those that are familiar with Baptist uh, uh, meetings, it's like they meet Wednesday night, they meet uh, Sunday, Sunday evening. There's never a night that they're not doing something. So I went on a Wednesday night. It was their Bible study slash prayer night. And so I just remember standing in the back of the church, and it was like at the altar call, it was like somebody put a rope around my torso, and it was like pulling me towards the altar. And I'm like, what in the world is this? You know, so I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just going to go with it, right? So I go up and, you know, do the sinner's prayer, and, you know, they're all rejoicing. They're playing the piano and going at it Baptist style, you know. And uh, so, you know, that was, that was awesome. I felt it was a God moment. It was something that, that uh, I had surrendered to. But the next three years for me was a little odd because uh, the, the Baptist church that I was in, it was, it was like every Sunday, it was like going and having to get born again all over again. It was this fire and brimstone preaching where it's like, you know, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, you're going to hell. And, you know, and I was like, man, this is, this is kind of bizarre. It's different for me, you know. And I didn't grab a hold of it very quickly. And, and in fact, I resisted it. And, and I remember one day I said to God, I said, if this is Christianity, I don't want anything to do with it. It, it just seemed very rigid. And it was like they immediately wanted you to, you know, stop all the stuff. And, and believe it or not, I had uh, a record collection, right? When they stacked up my records, they were this tall. But, you know, I had everything in there from Black Sabbath to Ozzy Osbourne and Ronnie James Dio and all this stuff. So it was like, okay, you know, I guess we're going to have a, a record burning. <laughs> and so I trashed all my records. You know, not that I'm, I don't regret it for one moment, you know. Uh, but it was just kind of the things that I was being confronted with. And, and then they tell you to go out on Thursday visitation. They have you go out and you know, stand at the corner where there's bars and stuff, and you're, you know, preaching to the people and all that stuff. And I was just like, whoa, this is crazy, right? So after I told God, I said, if this is Christianity, I really don't want anything to do with it. I walked away for uh, many years, and it was maybe nine years. And it wasn't until I uh, was in Korea, and God spoke to my heart, and he basically just asked me one simple question. He said, well, what are you doing? That initial conversation we had a long time ago, that was real. And I want to find out what's going on. Are you still wanting to follow me? 
And so I said, Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing. And he's, you know, so that started a transition for me back into the body of Christ. And so I hooked up with a friend of mine uh, or a guy in my, in my work center that was, you know, the crazy Christian. So <laughs> I, he was a little surprised when I came up to him and I said, hey, uh, can we hang out? And he's like, really? Yeah, I, I need to get back into what, what God had done in my life. And he's like, yeah, sure. So I went into his, uh, we, we met at his room one afternoon and he just started giving me all these books. And I started reading through them. I mean, it was, you know, uh, Point Man by Steve Farrar. I went through, uh, I don't know, there was a lot. And uh, Jesse Duplantis, I, I read the one where he, you know, visited heaven and all this stuff. And God was just really impacting my life. And But the one thing that changed for me was the body. I began to fold into the body of Christ, and I realized that people wanted to minister to me. They cared about me. And in fact, uh, I went to a promise keepers meeting. Uh, it's all men. There was probably about 30 guys in there. And I remember sitting in there, and the enemy was just bombarding me. You don't need to be in here. You're waste, wasting your time. You can do whatever you want. In fact, the exit door is right there. They're going to be weird. They're going to, just like before, the church is going to be, you know, all over you and demanding all this stuff. And, but you know what? Something had changed in my heart where I just said, you know what, devil, shut up. I'm pressing through. I'm staying. And at the end of that promise keepers meeting, it was the first time that anybody had ever laid hands on me and prayed for me. Because remember, Baptist church, they don't kind of do that stuff. You know, they'll pray for you and, you know, but I don't know what it is. It's like anything spiritual, you know, uh, I'm sorry, charismatic, they won't do it. So I was at first a little scared. I was like, why are all these people coming around me, you know? And so we were in our group, about four men. I was, you know, uh, one of four. And they just asked me, hey, you know, what can we pray for? And for whatever reason, I just broke down. I just started bawling. I just started saying, Lord, you know, take it, take it all. And I started sharing what had happened over the last nine years in my life. I've been walking away from you, Lord. I've been doing what I want to do. I've been sinning against you and all this stuff. And the response that I got was so unexpected. And as they began to pray for me, it was compassion. It was probably the most jarring thing for me to receive, and it was the first time that I felt God's true grace over my life. And as they began to pray, it was like they began to break off things in my life as I confessed them. And this was all new to me. I, I had no idea what this was. And uh, so at the time, I was also playing bass in a uh, kind of a local you know, garage band type thing. And I remember the Lord saying, it's time for you to give that up. In fact, I got a position for you in the gospel band. So I went from like heavy metal <laughs> to playing gospel music. And this was, but, but don't get me wrong. I was like, man, this is awesome. Because, you know, the gospel service was like amazing for me. Because, you know, I'm up there playing my bass and I got to play the little juke beat. And, you know, the, uh, the black pastor, he's like, 
doing this across the stage and stuff as we're playing. And it was just, you know, the joy was rising. And at that time for me, it was like God was just filling me with his grace and his mercy. My eyes were being opened. My, uh, my soul was being cured of the things that I had gotten myself into. And it was the body of Christ as it was meant to be. There was even a, uh, uh, they had what was called, um, oh, what was it called? Uh, the Sunlight Inn. That's what it was. It was this was at Kunsan Air Base uh, in Korea, and they had a place called the Sunlight Inn. And all it was was just a, I want to say a, it was a party den for Christians, right? So you go in there, and there's always food. They got movies playing. In another room, they got people playing, you know, worship music. So you can kind of like, oh, what's my flavor, you know? So I wound up in the uh, worship part, right? And so I'm like learning my first Christian songs on acoustic guitar. And in fact, the first song that I learned was, uh, it was, um, help me out here, what's Third Day, the Psalm 96. Your love, O Lord, greater than or higher than the mountains, right? And it, this was something for me. I was like, wait a minute, this is liberating, you know. So today I'm going to be kind of covering why we exist. And one of those, here, I'm, I'm ready to say, can you go to the next slide? Well, they gave you the slide. So let's go to 1 Timothy 3.15. It says, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the foundation of truth. What I needed was a pillar and a foundation in the truth. God knew my truth, and he knows each one of our truths, and he knows what we need, and he knows what we need access to, but he also knows what we can give. So these three things are so important to God, and we're going to cover them today, is simply what is the church for? Well, the first thing that it's going to be for is uh, to reach the lost, right? The second one is going to be uh, to honor, or I'm sorry, to build the body and then to honor God. So these are the three things that we're going to cover this morning. So this is our vision statement. This is a, just a, 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 a concise reason why life in the sun exists. And if we read it, it says we exist to honor God and make disciples in Micronesia and beyond. So these three areas are going to be covered under that. And I just love that picture because it, it is actually that picture is how I felt when I was being prayed for uh, at that Promise Keepers meeting. It was like, for the first time ever, people had laid their hands on me in love and wanted me to grow. And it was a very powerful experience for me. So first, to reach the lost. I love this picture. Uh, this is really what, what Jesus is uh, calling us to do as a church. Um, 
It's how many of us are reached. And I read something this, this week that uh, impacted me, and, I, and it just dawned on me how, uh, how true it is. Many of us are taught that we need to search, right? We're all searching for something, which is true. But the reality is, is that God is searching for us. He's walking on the water, looking down and saying, who can I rescue? Who needs help? Who's ready? Who's looking up? And so some of the scriptures that we're going to discuss is this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He does not want anyone to perish. He's always looking to save somebody. He's always looking to seek and to see who he can find to minister to. And this is the verse, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. We may not even understand it, but each one of us in this body have been touched by somebody else that was reaching out to us. For me, it was the crazy lady in the, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, cabinet shop that I worked in. I mean, this girl was obnoxious in her faith. It was just like, gosh, can you leave me alone? You know, you're always bugging me and, and stuff. And, you know, and I have to reflect on that even for my, my own ministry and my own walk with God is that am I really obnoxious enough? Or do I let people kind of, you know, go into somebody else's net or hope that they get caught by somebody else because maybe I get frustrated with them. Maybe I'm not very patient with them. Maybe I don't, I'm not persistent enough. Because when I look back at this, 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 this lady in my life, she was persistent. You know, she had something, it's like her mark was on me. And it's like, man, there's like 15 other people that work in this place. How come I don't see you bugging them? Right? It's like, why me? Why do you got to focus on me? But how many of us have experienced that? It's like all of a sudden God singles us out. And we realize that this verse is true. That the Son of Man is the one who's seeking us. And we may not even be looking. If we are looking, we're probably looking in the wrong place. Amen? <laughs> so, and then he told them, go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. And I think that's, that's, a, uh, uh, that's the mandate that we have. But I, I remember um, there was a sermon I listened to a long time ago. Uh, I forget who was sharing it, but... There's another translation of, the, of this verse. It says, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to every creature. And so this person was preaching the gospel to every creature, even the animals. <laughs> but there was an, an, an interesting story that was tied to that. Was, uh, it was one of the islands uh, out here in Micronesia, and I, I think it was Fiji. But they had a, uh, uh, like a healing service going on. And from what I understand, you know, part of the witchcraft that they had there was that these witches or warlocks or whatever were able to transform into an animal. And so apparently the, uh, the, the lead warlock or whatever of this, of this uh, village showed up at a prayer meeting 
as that animal. And this person, knowing that verse, said, well, I'm going to preach. And it was basically from his vantage point, it was a bat that was up in the rafters. And he preached right at the bat and gave him the gospel. And according to the story, uh, the following week, he went and visited the, uh, the village, and that man came up, and he said, you prayed for me. And he was like, so that was you? And he said, yes, that was me in the, in the rafters, because, you know, according to our witchcraft, we can do that. And he was like, I, you know, I don't know about all that stuff, but if you're the one who said that I prayed for you and you accepted Christ, then praise God. So... Whether that story is true or not, um, it shows how God wants us to reach out to his people, no matter what. Have that, that heart that says, uh, I will do anything. I will go anywhere. I will do what it takes. Whether I give, you know, we're talking about Ponape. You know, these people in Ponape are hungry. That was the one thing that I, uh, Cindy and I took out of this trip was they are so open. They are so ready for the gospel. Everyone that we sat down with, at least everyone that I did, I think Cindy, almost all of them for her, they wanted to know more. They wanted to know Christ. They were hungry. They're like, yes, I want to know. And we didn't receive hardly any resistance uh, from the students. Now, uh, from what I understand, some of the instructors at the church, I mean at the uh, college, you know, they're a little like, hey, what are these guys doing, right? You know, but uh, other than that, they're open. And we have to be able to, uh, you know, invest, you know. So how do we invest? We, we can invest financially. We can invest, uh, you know, through prayer support. And we can invest by actually going in person and witnessing what God can do for these people. Amen? All right. So the second point, to build the body. We are a part of something greater. It is not just life in the sun. There are many churches on this island, just like there's many churches on the island of Ponape. And in fact, you know, Cindy and I uh, kind of both had the, uh, you know, a conversation on, you know, it's like, wait a minute, there's all these other churches here. Why are we here? God, why are you calling another church to do a work? And, you know, what God showed me next was... Uh, it gave me a greater understanding of how much work we have to do. And of course, you know, the verses that God gave me was, you know, that the fields are ripe unto harvest, but few are the workers therein. So go, pray to the, to the Lord of the harvest that he may send you. And so what he showed me was that, you know, the natural process of churches is we, re we reach out to a small group of people, we take them in, and then we focus on them. And we actually begin to not reach out as much as, as we used to. And so God has to then send in other people to kind of pick up that slack. And so when God showed us, it was like there's this huge field, and there's little pockets around that field where people are being reached. But there's still a huge field. They're still ready, they're still ripe, and they're ready for harvest. And so the body is what makes up that purpose. We each have a specific part to do in the body of Christ. Even if we're just brand new in Christ, you have a purpose. 
you have something that God wants you to fulfill and do. And it's not something that you have to force yourself. It's not something that you have to come up with on your own. In fact, it is your walk and your relationship with Christ that gives you the strength, the power, and the desire to fulfill God's purpose in your life. As you surrender, your growth and your purpose increase. Amen? Because that power that we have from God in Christ is what fuels our ability to fulfill the position that God has for us in his body because we are a part of it. So some of the scriptures, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Notice it says unite our, uh, such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. It doesn't say that when we become unified in our agreement or our, that we agree with one another or that we kind of gel and, you know, we're, we're not at odds in our beliefs and we can kind of hang out together now and be, no. What it's saying is once we come to our unity and faith and knowledge of who God's son is, then we will be mature in the Lord. It's not about what we do as much as it, is, as it is about what we are able to do through Christ because we know him. Amen? Because think about the scripture that, that Jesus said. He said, there will be many on that last day that say, Lord, we did all this stuff. But what he says next is the same thing. Depart from me, I never knew you. That's the key. Know him first. Amen? So then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with the lies so clever they sound like the truth. And that also applies to the enemy, not just people. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. The call that God has on our life as a body of Christ is to act like him. As we surrender, as we grow, we're able to reach more people. We're able to disciple our brothers and sisters alongside of us. And we should have the humility to allow our, our brothers and sisters to disciple us. Because it's not like the human way of looking at things. We don't get positions in the church because we've earned them. We don't get positions in the church because now it makes us less responsible in one area and more responsible in another. And in fact, Jesus said it himself. He said, the greatest among you must be the servant of all. As we rise in our responsibility in Christ, our responsibility is actually to love more, to give more grace, to give more understanding and knowledge of who Christ is to those that are sitting next to us. And we have to be able to have the humility of heart to say, I'm not complete. I might be doing all this amazing, crazy stuff and going to Ponape and doing all this, you know, spiritual warfare and saving people and all this stuff. But I may still have an area of my life over here that needs discipling. 
And it takes brother, my brothers and sisters in here to be able to have the maturity to speak into my life and say, Chris, there's something crazy going on over here in this part of your life. Amen? Because we need to grow. That's the whole point. And growth in the knowledge of who Jesus is so that we can reach each other in the discipleship process and be able to reach out to those that don't know Jesus so that when they come in, what's that verse? It says they will fall on their knees because they know that God is truly in this place because they see something different. They see something that's real, that's powerful. It's the same reaction that we got from a lot of the, the young students in, uh, in Ponape. It's like, you know, they're showing up and they're just like, just tell me what to do. It was like, what? I don't understand this. Lord, we just showed up. I got a plane ticket, you know, and I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out with you guys. But when you go with the anointing, that's what they see. They don't see you. They see the anointing of God that's on you because you are called out, because you are sent, right? Last week, Mark talked about what the church was. It's a called out body from the world, sanctified for the purpose of God's ministry to the world. Amen? Okay. So the third and last final point is the church exists to honor God. I came across this uh, this uh, this Latin phrase, and, and actually, where's Art? Where's he at? There he is. I might come to you for a tattoo. There's a really cool tattoo for this. But it's called Coram Deo. And it's, no, I'm serious. It's like this, uh, this funky, like, medieval, like, cross thing. It is amazing looking. And, I'm, and in it, you just put the Coram Deo over the top of it. That would be cool. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Coram Deo is Latin, and what it means is living in the presence of God, under the authority of God, to the glory of God. We live to honor him, because once God has touched our heart and given us the implant of the Holy Spirit, and we, we sense his love and his purpose over each one of us, we want to give. It's, it's, a, it's a supernatural process. And I just want to release anybody that's in this house today that feels that you have to serve God in order to be saved. You don't have to. You serve God because you are saved. You serve his heart and his purpose because you see the impact in your own life. And you begin to actually lower your standards on everybody else. And you give them the ability to grow in their own space and in their own time. And remember I was talking about, you know, rubbing up against people and allowing uh, people to speak into your life? That's really what it is. God makes these little adjustments in our lives, just like he did with the Israelites. He took them into the promised land one city at a time. And they began to get confident because of what God was doing through them. The first time they stepped into the promised land, they didn't have a clue what was going on. In fact, they didn't know what to expect. But when God began to do his miracles, his signs and wonders of how he delivered the people into their hand, then they got confident. But of course, just like with human nature, they got overconfident. And sometimes we can be that way as well. 
You know, we can become overconfident and prideful even in our spiritual walk with God. But the, the point is, is we need to honor him. So here's some scriptures. Now in a large house, there are those, are, there, are not only, uh, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, and some to honor, some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, and prepared for every good work. There is a, uh, you know, I, I was reading in Revelation, and there was a, a uh, in the, I think it was chapter 2, it starts out with the, uh, the, uh, the angel uh, in the church of Ephesus, right? And this is Jesus. He's kind of giving his status on the, the church at Ephesus. And there was one thing that, that he said in there. He said, uh, you know, you're doing, basically you're doing everything right. But he said, I still have this one thing. You've left your first love. You don't love me and you don't love those in the body like you used to. So repent. That's the good work that God wants us to, to be about. He wants us to be able to love the brothers and sisters that are sitting next to us, and he wants us to be able to love God. Because isn't that, those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. To love God with all our heart, our mind, and our soul, and our spirit, and to love one another as he loves us. That's the call. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. This is out of Ecclesiastes. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say life is not pleasant anymore. How many saw grumpy old men? Is that what you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> I don't want to be throwing fish in somebody's back of their car. Right, Omar? No fish. We didn't come home with any fish. No crab. <laughs> But I don't want to throw it in somebody's car, okay? But the bottom line is here, we don't want to end up sour and old, right? We should grow in our capacity to love. We should grow in our ability to look at somebody and have compassion on them, have a vision over their life where they can, they can do things that they can't see. We see it, but they don't. So how do you minister to that? You pull them in and, and you reassure them that whatever is troubling them right now, whatever is over them, whatever the enemy is trying to uh, accuse them of, it's not the call that God has on their life. There's something greater. And we have the authority to speak into that life and to say no. Just like Elijah and his servant Elisha. Remember, Elisha was like, I don't know what you're doing. We're going to go to war with this entire army, and it's just us. Right? And Elijah said, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see. And, of course, God opened his eyes, and there was this humongous angel army that was ready to go into battle. That's the truth, church. No matter what situation we're in, we've got an angel army that is unemployed because we're not giving God the authority to use him. And we have the power because God gave his life through his son and bought that power for us. So why are we leaving it 
dormant? Why are we leaving it unused? That's where God's heart weeps because he wants us to take advantage of the grace that he's given to us. Amen? So the conclusion, this is also in Ecclesiastes. Many of us had read, read this. When all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. The church exists to glorify God. The church exists because he wants, I don't know how many people we have in here, a couple hundred. He wants 200 examples of who he is. And trust me, no matter where we're at in our walk with Christ, we're all capable of being able to show the world who Jesus is through what we do, through what we say, through how we respond, and through how we show our faith with one another. But it also is the power for anybody that walks into that door to be able to meet Christ through those ways. Amen? So what's the final purpose? Is to know Jesus and to make him known. Amen? And that's the message for today. Praise God. So as the worship team is coming up, let's just go ahead and, uh, and pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you sent your son as the first missionary. You sent him to reach the lost. You sent him to seek those who did not know you. And Father, I pray for anyone that's in this house today with every head bowed and every eye closed. I pray for those right now that, that God has shown them a new way. And maybe you've seen Jesus in a new light today. Maybe you've seen God in a new light today. That he is searching for you. And he simply wants you to release your life to him. Because he has everything that you need. He has the mercy. He has the grace. He has the compassion. He has the power to change your life. And he's drawing you home. He's drawing you to his side. He's drawing you to a place of freedom, a place of grace. And he only asks one simple thing from you. Do you believe? Do you trust in him? And are you, a, are you willing to turn away from the things of this life and put your faith and your hope and your trust in him and him alone? So I'm just going to say a prayer. You can piggyback on that prayer. And if that's you, you want to go ahead and just slip up your hand and I know who I'm praying with. And we'll have something for you after the service at the book table over on the right. If that's you today, just go ahead and lift up your hand. You want to know who Jesus is. You want to give your life. Let me just piggyback on this prayer. Father God, I just come before you today. 
and I see that you love me and that you care for me more than I had ever imagined. And I believe that Jesus had sacrificed himself on that cross for me. And I pray that you come into my life, save me from myself, save me from my past, and I give you the authority, and I repent of my sins. I come before you now. Take my life. In Jesus' name.